Hello, I'm Daniel. I wanted to talk about a Buddhist teaching called the Four Immeasurables today. The Four Immeasurables. And that's kind of it's a kind of a messed up name, and I think that people hear the four immeasurables and they think, well, that sounds like weird nonsense, right? Especially another translation of this is the four divine abodes, and that's even more of a nonsense sounding name, right? So I wanted to talk about it because I think the four immeasurables is a helpful and useful thing for us to think about. These are a list of four Buddhist virtues that we can cultivate through our meditation practice that can really help us. They're considered antidotes to negative mental states, antidotes to negative mental states. And maybe that even sounds too heavy, but the point is that when we're trying to engage our practice, we have negative mental states that come up and these mental states make it really hard to practice. They pull us out of our meditation or they make us not even want to sit at all. And they also, they affect, I mean, they affect things like our compassion practice too. The negative mental states make us not want to be kind to others. So these are things that we have to overcome. And so we talk about the four immeasurables. They're called immeasurable because their impact on our practice is considered really great and powerful. So they're called immeasurables. I wish there was a better name. I wish a better name would take off because I think immeasurable sounds really silly and weird, but that's what we have for right now. If you think of a good name for these, tell me, and we'll see if we can make it take off. So, this list of virtues that we're going to talk about has its origins in Buddhism, but really, this list works equally well in any religious tradition, and really in no tradition, too. I think that these are useful regardless of whether we're spiritual or not. So I think that, in a sense, is very important, too. And in fact, sometimes virtues very similar to these are listed in the religions of Jainism and Hinduism, which come from the same area that Buddhism came from. It's, it's thought that they're Buddhist in origin, and they just these other traditions adopted them, but I'm, we don't really know. That history is kind of sketchy at times. So, what are the four immeasurables? They are what we call loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and sometimes that's called sympathetic joy, and equanimity. So I'll say that again. Loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And I'm going to kind of go into what those are, especially I think when people think of loving-kindness and compassion, they think... Those really sound like the same thing, right? And they're not the same thing. And I'm going to explain why those are different. That's why I listed those first, because I'm going to go over those first. So loving kindness is the wish for others to be happy or to have what they need. This, maybe this sounds really easy, but it's supposed to include everyone. It's the wish for everyone to be happy or at least content, not not the people we like, not the people we know even, but it's supposed to be boundless. It's supposed to include everyone. I want the best for everyone. I want everyone to have their needs met. When we cultivate loving kindness, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to extend it to everyone. We think about the people we love, and then we think about the people we just like a lot, and then we think about the people that we don't have any feelings toward, and then we think about the people we really don't like. Only then can it be said to reach the inev in 
immeasurable level. This loving kindness is said to counter ill will. What is ill will? That's when you want other people to fail. Or you want other people to have hurt feelings. I think sometimes we do want people to have hurt feelings. We want, you know, if somebody's upset us and then we react about that and we want that to upset them. And that um, is not helpful to us. That ill will is not helpful to us. Really, it's counterproductive. It makes us them unhappy, makes us unhappy. So that's what we're trying to get around. The second immeasurable is compassion. And it's similar, but it's not the same. Whereas loving kindness, I want others to be happy. Compassion is, I want others to be free from suffering. So loving kindness is, I want people to have the good things. That's positive. And then compassion is the reverse of that. Not only do I want people to have the good things, but I also want people to not have the bad things, right? And these are this is these are so important that we do think of them as two separate things. We need to cultivate both of these things because sometimes we will cultivate one without the other. I think maybe compassion's a little bit easier to cultivate than loving kindness, I think. So again, we want to cultivate compassion and try to think about all beings, not just the people we love, not just our friends, and especially this is important. I guess this applies to both of them. I should have mentioned it earlier, but not just the people we think deserve it, right? Sometimes we think that we think that people are suffering because they've gotten themselves in a mess, and so they deserve to suffer. Sometimes we think that way, and that is that is poisonous thinking. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help anyone to think that well, that person didn't take my advice. And I was exactly right about what would happen to them, and I'm going to take pleasure in that. That is not helpful to us, and it's not helpful to them. It's wishing for negative outcomes to, for other people. That's not good. Even if it's completely their fault what's happening to them, we can still cultivate compassion, and we should. Wishing suffering upon others or turning a blind eye to the suffering of others is not helpful to us. It can plant negative seeds in our mind. It can make us sort of, it can strengthen our, it can strengthen itself so that we always wish for others to suffer. When, when we think those people that aren't like me, I want them to suffer because they're not like me. That's something that people struggle with a lot. I think I see it a lot these days, but it's probably been part of human history always is that those people are not like me. They're not making the good choices that I'm making. So they deserve the situation they're in. We want to learn how to feel compassion for people and not take that moment to think about if they deserve it. We want to feel compassion for people and not take that moment to think about if they deserve it. Because we can always, our minds are very good at thinking of bad things when we try to. We can always think about why someone, we can always figure out why someone deserves the suffering they're getting if we try hard enough. We can always, and then we can feel better about turning a blind eye to their suffering because we can think about how they deserve it. We can feel better about turning a blind eye and then we're not making the world a better place. So we want to feel compassion for others without thinking about if they deserve it. I don't want anyone to suffer 
even if the only reason they're suffering is their own bad choices. The truth is that we've all made a lot of bad choices. So we should be able to understand other people and their bad choices. Maybe they've made worse choices than us, or maybe just the circumstances led to a worse outcome, even though their choices are the same as ours, or their choices are even not as bad as ours, but circumstances can lead to worse outcomes sometimes. So we should try to learn how, and it's not easy, but we should try to learn how to have compassion even for people that don't that we don't think deserve it without thinking about whether they deserve it. And compassion is considered the antidote to cruelty. Cruelty is when you wish for someone to suffer or when you take delight in the suffering of others. Like uh, the example I went over where someone did not take our really good advice and so the bad thing that we thought would happen, exactly that happened. And we have that I told you so mindset. That doesn't that doesn't help anyone. So we want to try to counteract that cruelty. The third immeasurable is called joy. Or sometimes people call it sympathetic joy. But I think when you say sympathetic joy, most of the time people don't know what you're talking about. This is the attitude of rejoicing at the happiness and virtues of other beings. And again, we want to learn how to cultivate this and apply it to people we love and people we like and people we don't care about and people we don't like. We want to learn how to cultivate a, an appreciation for the happiness of others. We want to take joy when we see happy people. And this is Maybe, maybe this is pretty hard, right? Especially if you see a person that you, you think of as a very awful person who's happy about something very awful happening. Although, I have to say that there are public figures who I'm not a big fan of, but I also want to point out that even when they're these, these public figures who I don't like very much, who I'm not going to name, they also don't seem happy. And even when their goals are met. So, uh, to a certain extent, this doesn't apply to them. This applies to people who are happy. We want to rejoice in the happiness of others. Uh, easy example of this is if someone else at my work gets a promotion instead of me. I want to try to be happy for that person instead of thinking about how much I wish I got it. So in that sense, that's what we're talking about with sympathetic joy. If someone is happy, we want to be happy for them instead of going into a dark place. And I can even think of even just really little examples like when I am playing a game with my kids, a board game, and a kid is upset because they did not win. Man, is that inconsequential. It's a game, right? It would be better to be happy for the person that wins and just enjoying the game. That's um, a really little example, but we can apply that to most things in life. We want to be happy for the happiness of others. And if we can learn how to cultivate this, which is maybe this is a little bit harder than loving kindness and compassion. But if we can learn how to cultivate this sympathetic joy, then is it easier to be happier in our lives? Or at least content if I'm happy okay so if I succeed I take joy in that what if when you succeed I take joy in that then 
I could learn how to take a lot of joy, right? If I can learn how to take joy at the success of others, then I'm going to have a lot more, a much more contented life. And that's what we're talking about here. This is uh, sympathetic joy or joy is said to be the counter to jealousy. So that's when we're trying to learn how to cultivate this. That's what we're trying to learn how to beat. Jealousy is really poisonous sometimes. We can be jealous and it can ruin our day. Even if, even if really everything is fine, we can see someone else succeeding and get jealous. Even if we don't really care that much about what they're succeeding at we could still get jealous. We could still have that seed sprout in our mind and then we're just jealous and it ruins our day and we have no contentment because we just are holding onto our jealousy and we're thinking, well, why them and not me? Or why them? They didn't work hard enough to deserve this or, you know, you know, that sort of thing. So jealousy really, it harms us. It harms us. If it, uh, I think... When someone else's success motivates us to try harder, I don't think of that as jealousy. I think of that as inspiration. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just that feeling that makes you think, why not me, and ruins your day. Not, not the thing that makes you try harder. Not that kind of inspiration. But I'm just talking about the jealousy that we just ruminate on and we just hold it like this. That's what we want to counter with joy. The last one is equanimity, and that's probably the easiest one for me to describe and maybe the hardest one of all of these, and that's why it's listed last, equanimity. It's the attitude of regarding things as equal, so especially regarding beings as equal, regardless of their relationship to us. This sounds simple, but it's really the hardest to cultivate it. It's trying to view things as equal and beings as equal and not being quite so attached to our circumstances and our desires. It is letting things be as they are instead of constantly wishing things different than they are. That's the best description I can give for it. Letting things be as they are instead of always wishing for things to be different. That's equanimity. Um, recently, someone asked me to define happiness, and I said it is being in the moment you're in and not wishing it was different. Not wishing that you could change something because so much of our lives, we're wishing we could change something. And equanimity is about just being where you are and not clinging to wishing things were different. And that's that's very hard. We're thinking about wishing things were different all the time. Or maybe not all the time. Once in a while, we have a good moment where we're not thinking about what we wish was happening instead, where we're just present, and those are the best. Equanimity is said to counter clinging and aversion. Clinging is, I wish... You know, I wish these good things were happening instead of what's happening. And then aversion is, I wish these bad things were not happening. It is especially helpful when we are very sick or when something very bad is happening. If we can cultivate equanimity, then hopefully we can handle that better and not 
fall apart. I used to have a real tendency to fall apart when things were hard. Or to... And I like this example, especially because I was sick recently. Um, if you've heard of this concept called that they call man flu, that is the idea. The idea behind man flu is that uh, when a woman is ill, she just goes on about her day and she's kind of feeling unhappy, but she's just, you know, doing all the things she normally does. And when a man is ill, he acts like the world is over and he can't do anything. And I'm bringing that up because I think that's a stereotype and I think it's not true. But in my house, it's mostly true. So um, when my lovely girlfriend Alicia is sick, she's just like, whatever. And she still does everything she normally does. She goes to work. She takes care of things. She does whatever she normally does. And when I am sick, I really just want to lay on the couch and drink Gatorade and watch Sleepless in Seattle. And that's all I want to do until I get better. That is that is man flu. I don't know if it, I don't think it's true in most households, but it is mostly true in mine. And actually this last time I was sick, um I think I'm getting better. I think I'm learning to bring equanimity into this, which is why why I brought up man flu is it relates to equanimity. If you have equanimity, then you don't struggle with man flu so much. You don't struggle with, man, I'm sick and I'm miserable and I'm just thinking about how miserable I am and I'm not going to try to do anything because I am just really unhappy with how I feel right now. That is the opposite of equanimity. Equanimity helps me deal with man flu when I get a bad case of man flu. So um, I guess that's all I have to say about equanimity right now. So, the four measurables, in conclusion, is a set of teachings that are designed to help us open our hearts and improve our relationships to others and also our relationships to ourselves. It is easier, our struggle is easier when we're not obsessed with our struggle. Our struggle is easier when we're not obsessed with our struggle. Why do I struggle so much when I'm ill? Because I really hate being ill. I'm obsessed with my sickness when I'm sick. And that creates a kind of snowball where, where it gets worse and worse. So our struggle is easier when we're not obsessed with our struggle. And we have more joy when we're not obsessed with the happiness of ourselves and not caring so much about the happiness of others. We want to care about the happiness of others because if we can take joy in that, then we can just be taking joy. Just joy all the time. And if we... It's really easy to not have compassion for others when we spend time thinking about if they deserve our compassion. And cultivating compassion is part of what this is all about. We are happier when we're compassionate. We have more contentment in our lives when we're compassionate. And it's the same with loving kindness. We want to not stop to think if people deserve kindness from us. We want to just be kind. The Buddha said, I teach only suffering and the end of suffering. This is something that we can forget sometimes when we're studying Buddhism. There are so many different weird things to study in Buddhism and we can as Buddhists, and I know not everyone listening to me right now is a Buddhist, and that's okay. But our meditative path is about 
suffering less. Less suffering for ourselves, less suffering also, less suffering for others. Because the secret truth is that when we're causing suffering, we're not happy. Not really. And this is something we can forget sometimes. Because when we're studying aspects of Buddhism or deeper aspects of meditation, we might forget the centerpiece to this. We might forget what this is all about. We can get distracted, especially when we're studying something with a lot of nuance and a lot of different aspects to it. We can forget what this is all about. And teachings like the Four Immeasurables remind us that this path is about coming together. This path is about showing up for ourselves, and this path is also about showing up for others. And just learning how to be content and learning how to have harmony with the world around us. Harmony is really important. And and compassion and loving kindness and joy and equanimity are all things that help cultivate a lot of harmony. When we don't have harmony, we are distracted and we are fragmented and we are suffering and we're not making the world a better place. So harmony is very important. Um... Thank you for taking the time to listen to this talk. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good day.